Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We have a new friend today who's going to talk to us about something I hate. So I can't wait to hear what she has to say. (laughs) Ty Goodwin is the head of that marketing team. If that made the hair on the back of your neck stand up, ladies, or whoever's listening in that entrepreneurial world, I am right there with you. Ty is also a former teacher turned entrepreneur, so she has a lot in common with Kristen, my buddy, Kristen Smedley, who's my partner over here, and I already. So Ty, thank you so much for joining us today. Ladies, I am so excited to be here and have this conversation, and marketing is the thing that you don't like. I'm going to totally change your mind by the time we're done. I hope so. <laughs> I, I I really do, because I'm trying, and it is not the easiest job in the world. And I think, and this is maybe where you can, can help with this, I think marketing has a, you know, there's kind of this reputation about it as this big, scary beast that is really hard and challenging to navigate, um, especially because there's so many tools. Like, where do you even start with this stuff? It's really difficult. But before we get into all that, I want to talk about your earlier background. You were a teacher, and I think this is probably why you have a sweet spot with marketing. So kind of catch us up to that and bring us to this point with your earlier background and where you are now. Yeah, you know, you would had asked me 30 plus years ago where I would have ended up, I would never have thought I would be an entrepreneur. I was a, a teacher and I still teach, but just bigger kids now. Um, but I was a fifth grade teacher. I had done AmeriCorps. And um, I quickly realized, though, that I did not have that kind of superhero or those kind of superhero boots. Um, I didn't have that kind of cape to be that, that kind of superhero. And so um, I left teaching after about two years. And I went into the dark side of corporate training and I was a corporate trainer for, you know, Fortune 500 companies. I worked at Barnes and Noble, helped them bring e-learning into that company, had a lot of fun, but I didn't like that. I didn't have the freedom and flexibility. And so um, I had a daughter and my goal was I was going to work, you know, I was going to have my own business so I could stay home with her didn't quite work out that way. And I ended up launching my business while working. Um, But the beautiful thing was that she really inspired me to not, you know, have a day job, like not only focus on having a day job. I started my business when she was born. Um, It took me a few years, um, actually maybe six or seven years to actually leave corporate America altogether. Um, But she actually works in my business now. So it's been a great thing to grow the business and grow my daughter at the same time. And so now we are that marketing team. This is a few iterations of, you know, my journey from starting out as a career coach and then going into social media management and then forming my own agency. But that's where we are now. We help our clients let go of their fear and hatred of marketing (laughs) so that they can actually generate leads in a way that feels good to them. So that's what we do. Well, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about teaching 
and marketing. And there are a lot of similarities. I mean, in teaching, like, you know, you think about the lesson plan, Mm -hmm. what do they know? What do they know already? What do they need to know? And how can I get them to know that? Right. Like, like that kind of is with your audience in, in marketing, that's pretty much what you're doing. Right. Absolutely. Marketing is about 80% education because you're always educating your audience that either they a have a problem, right. Or (laughs) there's a solution to that problem. Or C, you're the best solution for that problem. And if you think about it that way, and the fact that you're going to be creating content and that you have a lesson plan, which is your marketing calendar, it really does become something that I find a lot of fun, but you have to take off that mantle and think, you know, that that big burden and think, oh my gosh, marketing, it's so heavy and it's a four letter word and it's horrible because at the end of the day, it really is about education. Now, that is something I had not previously thought of, to put it in that light. I mean, but it, it makes perfect sense um, to, to to this idea that that you have a problem and then you're the solution to the problem. Your customer has a problem and you have this solution to the problem. Mm-hmm. I never really looked at it that way. I mean, I know you're supposed to be the, the answer, mm-hmm. more or less, to your clients. But when you put it in terms of to educate and to teach it does make it a little bit clearer and just a bit less daunting, I think. Yeah, I think so. You know, and what people think is marketing is more flash, you know, because a lot of times when people hear marketing, they think, oh, Instagram influencers and I got to make video. And yes, some of that is true. But at the end of the day, a lot of that's just flash. And I know from experience, I will tell myself all day long, I was Facebook rich and profit poor for five years. I had a lot of flash. People love me. They would comment. Oh, you're so great. All these words are so encouraging. And I had no clients. So Mm -hmm. that's what Flash does. Marketing, there's strategy behind it. Marketing, there is, um, it's a repeatable system for creating predictable income. And once you have a system that works and then you learn how to optimize it, it takes away that, that uncertainty and insecurity that most people feel with marketing, which makes it something they gravitate away from instead of towards. So what was what what would you say to folks then? I love I love that you said you were your Facebook Facebook rich. There are a lot of people, especially that that follow the podcast, that have lots of followers on on Instagram, Facebook. They have entertaining posts. I love when they come up in my feed. What would you say was one of when you look back and and you flip that around and and got more you know business profit as opposed to Facebook wealth? What what were what was it? Was there a tipping point? Was there one or two things that that you realized? Oh, I need to switch this and do this this way. Oh, absolutely. Um, the the biggest tipping point was actually learning how to market. We think that just because we have Facebook and Instagram, Tik, LinkedIn, all that, all all of those names, right? We think that just because we have those platforms and we post something that that's marketing. You do realize that there are people that spend whole undergraduate degrees and postgraduate degrees and certification programs learning how to market. There are entire companies that have whole teams of people and their only job is to do marketing. So there's no way that learning how to post something on Facebook and that's it can really be considered marketing, but we may, it makes us feel good, right? And so once I started learning, oh, marketing, there's some strategy behind this. And here's something, I, and I, I do this all the time. I just did a big um, you know, article or, or a write-up about this is one of the things that I stopped doing was stop friending all of your peers on Facebook. 
we friend all these other coaches and all these people that are doing the same thing that we're doing. And then we're all going back and we're liking each other's posts. And we're like, well, nobody's reading my stuff. Well, you're sending it to the people that are in your same niche. Like they're not your clients. They're not going to buy from you. You're not going to buy from them. But doesn't doesn't it feel so good to have all those friends liking your stuff? Absolutely. Is it getting you any clients? Absolutely not. Mm. So that I think is, is one of the, certainly the biggest pitfalls to the availability of the internet and all that. You feel like, if you're putting stuff out there and there are eyes on your stuff, your posts, your, you know, your sites or whatever, that that's marketing. But if it's the wrong eyes, it doesn't matter because they're not the ones who are buying your merchandise. So clearly, or your, or your product. So clearly there is some, there's some depth work that needs to be done in order to reach the right people, number one, but, but then number two, how to reach them. Like, as you said before, how to make them see that there's this problem here that they have. So how do you even begin to unravel this? Because I know most of that logically, but the idea of diving into it, just, it makes me want to go hide under the bed. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I know that for a lot of folks. And, you know, it's one of those things, quite honestly, and people may not like to hear this, but I think it's people having to make a decision. Are you an entrepreneur or are you a freelancer? Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to be, they say they want to be entrepreneurs, but what they really want is freelance work, mm-hmm. right? They want somebody to hire them and I'm going to work with you and then I'm not going to ever have to have another sales conversation for like six months <laughs> because I've got this work coming in. And that's a freelance. And listen, there's no shame in that. Like there's there's a real place for freelancers and freelancers make really great money. But what we've done is we say, oh, well, because I don't have a job, I'm now an entrepreneur. But then they don't want to do the things that an entrepreneur does. And an entrepreneur, especially when you're new, like 80% of your time is marketing. Like it makes me laugh when people say to me, Kristen, they say, well, I don't have time for marketing. And I'm like, but you don't have any clients. So what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like you have no clients, but you have no time for marketing. Like that is a that the math don't math that way, right? So it you spend a lot of your time generating leads and making yourself visible and doing all of those things. And I want to I want to touch back on something else you said that because this is very true too. People think that just because you posted that people see it. Yeah. I guess with a client just the other day, she was like, Well, I'm posting, but nobody's responding. I said, Okay, let's go take a look. And so we looked at her post and right there on Facebook, on her screen, it said 50 views, Mm. not a thousand, not a hundred, 50 views. So only 50 people saw it. And it may have been a fleeting view because, you know, when you go on and you see things in your feed, 50 people saw that post. Mm. That's not enough traffic. And so for all of my friends who love organic marketing, listen, I think organic marketing is amazing, but if you're doing organic marketing, it requires a lot of posting and a lot of consistency and a lot of driving traffic. And those are the things that feel overwhelming to people because we really don't understand how marketing works. We really do think that if I post something on these platforms, then social media is going to show it to all of them. And I always remind people that you have to remember all of these platforms, they make their money through advertising. So for us who are not paying for those posts to be seen, 
they're not concerned about showing our stuff to people. And, and rightly so, they've got a team, right? Think about all the people that work at Facebook or LinkedIn. They've got to get paid somehow or else they're not going to have jobs. They've got families to take care of too. And so when you think about it from that, like looking at, looking at it like an ecosystem, right? They've got to take care of their, their, their employees. So they have to charge advertisers. So your content is not going to be as visible as those people who advertise. And that's how all of that works together. Hmm. So, so let me ask you this. Let, let's get let's get kind of practical here. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about just in the past two weeks, the people that have reached out to me either here in my hometown or through email and and social media that have listened to episodes of the podcast. And mm-hmm. and just off the top of my head, the people that have reached out, there's an owner of a magazine. Um, there's a fitness over forty coach. Like they have lots of different uh, companies, entrepreneurial things. What would you, and, and let's just use us as an example for a pot. We have the podcast. Help, help all of those, those listeners understand, because I get it. There's a difference between marketing and mm-hmm. advertising, right? Marketing and branding. There's a difference. What would it look like, like for our podcast to, what's the difference between um, an entertaining post on Facebook versus mm-hmm. something that is actually marketing for mm-hmm. listeners for our podcast? Well, wow, that's a great question. And honestly, it all falls under marketing, right? Because it's about connecting, right? It's about attracting. You know, you think about the buyer step, the buying cycle for people, right? I'm gonna attract, I'm gonna attract them, I'm gonna make them aware, um, I'm going to help them, you know, I'm gonna educate them, I'm gonna convert. Like there's there's a whole phase to this when people find your content. And so you wanna, and that's where people get mixed up. They just create content for one thing, sell. I'm going to convert. I'm going to sell, sell, sell. And that's a lot of what advertising is, right? Advertising is like, I want you to be aware of who we are and what we do. And I want you to buy something. All right. And then you've got those other nuances, like we're marketing, where we're building relationships with people, right? We're connecting with people. We're nurturing that relationship with people. And so the, the thing that might make people uncomfortable is that you've got to have content that addresses each one of those things. So let's say for your podcast, right? I always start with my clients. Well, what's the problem that your podcast is solving for people, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the problem? What do you solve? What do you solve for folks? In a well, nutshell. I, yeah. Go, Go ahead. ahead you, you, you take this one because I, uh, I mean, I know the answer, but I think that's the other part of it is that articulating it in a way that is clear Yeah. to, to not only yourself, but anybody else. So mm-hmm. what would you say, Kate, to that? I would say the number one thing is we inspire people to take the next right step mm-hmm. towards being resilient with whatever they're going through. Yeah. Yeah. And and why do they want to be resilient? They're tired of being stuck in, in the muck. Yeah. So they want to be in a place where they feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, uh, Cause I always help my clients frame it in what do people really want? What do they pay for? Right. Mm-hmm. What, and whether the payment is money or attention right? They're paying with their attention and their time. So they want to feel better and they want to know that they can do something different. Right. So if that's the case, your content is going to focus on, Hey, awareness, look, we're brilliantly resilient. We've got this podcast. Let me just show you what it is. That's awareness. That's there, that you're there, but how are you helping them become aware that they're stuck? Hmm. 
That's a good question. I I just, I guess I assume probably another very bad word in marketing to assume that people know they're stuck. I mean, Mm. don't you know that? I I don't know. Do you not know that? Some people do. Yeah, some people do. And it it goes into your audience. Like some people know that they're stuck. Some people don't even realize that they're stuck. Hmm. Right. So it's 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 the person who's or I mean I, 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 we always talk about how it's like relationships, right? It's the person who knows that man, my partner and I don't communicate at all. I need help. Versus a person that says, "Man, why am I getting so irritated with this relationship?" Hmm. Right? They know that something's happening, but they're not aware of why. Mm-hmm. Oh. I know why I feel this way because we're not communicating. Which is so then how than- do you, and this mm-hmm. is the, this is a fascinating conversation because you know I, I I certainly have heard before that marketing is about relationships. How does a company, a, a whatever, a service then reach an individual? Because this is all very, you know, nebulous kind of term. Mm-hmm. I don't know this particular person. How do you reach people? with these like general enough questions to be applicable to them to get them to respond to you because you know everybody's issues challenges or whatever are personal to them but there has to you can't reach every single person with a with a very finely tuned individual hey i know what you're going through right. so how do you make it general yet specific enough to get I people- love I love that you asked this question. And this is why marketing gets to be so much fun. It's all about who you're focusing on now. One of the big challenges my clients have is they say, well, this is for so many people. You don't have Walmart or Coke money to market to everybody, but (laughs) you can focus on one problem. So let's say for the next 30 days, we're really going to focus on people who need to be resilient when it comes to their, their jobs. Right. There's a whole lot of shift happening in the marketplace. And oh my gosh, and you got laid off again and laid off again and laid off again. And how do you how do you get the courage to come back when you've been laid off three times in the last three years? So now mm. if you focused on that core of your audience, oh my gosh, do you know how many engaging conversations and authors and books and solutions just geared to that would bring all those thousands of people who've got their ears tuned for that solution? And then they're going to stick around because you guys are just so much fun. They're going to stick around when you start talking about other stuff. So then the next 30 days, you say, you know what, man, let's talk about resiliency when it comes to parenting. Or let's talk about resiliency when it comes to being an entrepreneur. And every month you're targeting that specific audience because now you're zoomed in and you've got that attention. And they'll stay because they like you, ladies. But you got to focus to bring them in. Because that's what's gonna get that's what's gonna catch their ear. That's when it, that's what's gonna get their get their attention and help you filter out from all the other noise that's out there in the marketplace right now. Brilliant. That was brilliant. You know, I'm thinking about um I'm thinking about something I saw on LinkedIn, and you'll love this, Ty, because it brings in everything you're talking about. I follow um the editor-in-chief of entrepreneur.com, Jason Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. His following him is phenomenal. He is so good at marketing and the whole thing, right? Plus, he's just a cool, I just think he's a cool person. He's my kind of style of writing and talking. But today he had he had this post and it was a viral, I think TikTok. I think it was a viral TikTok. And it was, it was, it was astounding. It was, it was like eight teenage guys that had to get over a wall 
-hmm. using just their bodies. And there was, I had no sound on, I just watched them and they got on each other's shoulders and they're pulling each other over the wall. And then somebody had something on their back that the last guy could hang on. It was brilliant. He showed that video, but his post was about, he has a book about building business and relationships Mm -hmm. and stuff. And his post was about, yes, that's entertaining. Oh my gosh. But think about everything that went into that, the planning, the communication. And I'm telling you in like, it was a less than, than a minute and a half read of this post that he brought out all the stuff that he does with that video, it had my full attention. And then at the bottom, he had, if you want more like this, subscribe to my newsletter. I talk about this all the time. And I was like, everything you just said, that's what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's what they mean by the the whole kind of, <laughs> it's so, it was so funny that you said earlier, this applies to so many people because Kristen and I have said that a million times. Oh, yeah. could listen to this. That's great stuff. And all of that may very well be true, but I think it's hard for people who recognize that their work is is widely applicable Mm -hmm. to pull back and go small to get big. Do you run into that with with your clients? Like, but why should I just focus on this little group when everybody Mm -hmm. should know this? Absolutely. And that's because people don't understand how marketing works. And I'm like, you're and I, I always say affirm them. Yes, you're absolutely right. You don't have the money, the time, or the bandwidth to handle that, though. You don't have the money to pay for marketing to everybody. You don't have the time to sit and market to all those people. And even if, and let's just, let's just, let's just fantasize for a minute. Let's say you did market to everybody and everybody decided to be, to buy from you and be your client. You cannot do that. You don't even have the bandwidth to support all of that. But our eyes are, it's like your eyes are bigger than your stomach. And that's in the candy shop. Okay. <laughs> I want it all. I want all the candy. Day. Like you know, every Thanksgiving, like I'm looking at all the food my family has cooked and I'm like, oh yeah, I want all this. And and I eat like two bites, right? <laughs> you know, but that's how we we think about it. And it's because um, I say this all the time that the internet has made the barrier of entry very low to entrepreneurship. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because it used to be you had to have a store, you had to have business cards, you had to have office space. And now it's like, I put up a Facebook photo and I'm an internet entrepreneur. And so it's made that barrier of entry very low. But what it's done is it's made the barrier to success very high mm. because people don't, they don't learn how to market. They don't, they don't want to do the unsexy research to really figure out who their best audience is. Um, they they want to show, but they don't want to listen. Right. There's all these things that make a brilliant entrepreneur and a marketer. They don't want to learn how to tell stories, which is what he did. That was so brilliant, Kristen. Right. He he told a story within a story. And there's skill to that. And people don't and people don't always recognize that that's a skill set that they can learn, which is, you know, is great. But it doesn't mean that you just found some random picture and you put it up and say, buy my stuff. That's not what he did there. There was some real skill and nuance into how he framed that, that that made you feel welcome, that invited you to come in and want more, and that made you want to subscribe. And that's what market, that's what good marketing, that's what effective marketing does. It connected and it converted you. Mm, I love it. You know, Mary Fran and I had had a, a, a converse type of, of experience recently that I think that um, would be very helpful for listeners. And you'll probably be very interested in this, Ty. 
we were, you know, we go out and speak and we were, you know, going around the country and doing our Brilliant the Resilient program, which is one program of nine pillars. And then sometimes we have to shorten it, only focus on a few, you know, and we were finding audiences that would, they would like, they could not get enough. The line was out the door for people talking mm-hmm. to us. And then there was one that just, it was like, it just didn't land. It was, it was like, you know, and I know every speaker goes through that, like what is happening? And then when we really, <laughs> and we're, we're very much perfectionist, Mary Fran more than me is what I realized in this. Cause she was like, Oh, hot damn. I'm going to figure out how to please these people. <laughs> we have to tweak this and then mm-hmm. let's offer that. And then let's do, and I was, and then we finally came to the realization that was the wrong, they are just the wrong audience, nothing against them. They do wonderful work in this world, yeah. but it was just not our people. And when mm-hmm. we finally came to that realization, it was like, oh, okay, let's just stick with the people that are our people. We know we speak the same. We know exactly what their pain is. And that's why mm-hmm. they were lining up afterwards. You know, it was, yeah. it was wild to sit back. Oh my gosh. But we really are like, we're like, no, <laughs> we can make this work for anybody. We can solve all the problems. And then we were exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> and it still didn't work. Yeah. yeah. But but that's what happens with marketing, right? I'm going to make them love me. I'm going to find this post. I'm going to. And and what we like to say is it's not me, it's you. It's not you. It's, no, no. In this case, in this case, it really isn't me, it's you. Right? And, and you really, you just really aren't my people. And, and it's okay because there's so much, there's actual freedom in being able to say, oh, aren't not my people. There's yeah. somebody else that's gonna do an amazing job and connect with them. Now let me go back over to here where it's fun. <laughs> Right. That's the key, where it's fun because yeah. we were having, I mean, it, it's a lot of work, the stuff we were doing yeah. and tweaking speeches and figuring out new things that resonate. But we had so much flip it, even on the plane rides out to these certain groups, it was like so much fun. And then some of them, it was so, <laughs> so that, well, that's great marketing. That's great marketing data that you've got now. Right. Because oh, now, exactly. Yeah. And to be yes. able to use those experiences is very freeing, actually, which mm-hmm. was a lesson that I really needed to learn because, you know, Kristen a couple of times was like, you know, okay, enough already, enough. And I'm like, no, no, I'm still, we're still going to do this. And mm-hmm. finally, I was like, what is there to be gained by that? Like at that point, I think you have to ask that question. How much effort do you want to put into somebody converting somebody who just doesn't like you? Yeah. yeah. And you know, and I said, I always say to my clients, who is for me is for me. You know, um, there are some people that are just not, they're not going to like my style. They're not going to like that. I smile all the time. They're not going to like me. And listen, that's yeah. fine. Cause there are some people that I definitely don't want to sit through their content and it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. Yeah. So wait, I want to go back to now when I was, when I was doing my due diligence and my research and everything, you said something about one of the things you wanted to talk about was failing the first time. Two things I want to bring up. Mm-hmm. Failing the first time as an entrepreneur. And then the second thing was the why. We had been talking about that with someone else on the show not too long ago. So we want to make sure we don't forget that. But mm-hmm. let's start with the failing. I always love a good failure story. What's your failure story? Well, yeah, I hinted at it a little bit when I talked about being Facebook rich and profit poor. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was, I had a day job. Um, that was supporting my business in the beginning. Like a lot of us do, we launch while working. And then when I left that job, it suddenly hit home that I had no idea how to really market. 
So I had a lot of likes. Fourteen. This is and this is gosh, this is back in 2012, right? Fourteen thousand Facebook, no, fourteen thousand Twitter followers. You know, Ooh. podcast downloaded, all that kind of great stuff. Had a whole lot of stuff going on. Did not have clients, but I did not know how to market. I knew how to be visible. I knew how to create content. I didn't understand about lead generation and nurturing leads and the numbers and the volume. I didn't understand that whole buying cycle. And so I ended up going back to a day job because I couldn't Mm -hmm. make it. Um, And I was at that day job for about two and a half years. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, this is not going to work. And I left that day job. And this is the first time ever. Talk about being resilient. Um, I, I was 40 something years old at the time and I had never walked out of a job like this. I didn't have a resume. I didn't have another job lined up. I didn't even have an email list. Like I literally had nothing. And I took my little severance package and I was married at the time. And I said, I will eat ramen noodles every day for a year before I go back to another day job. So that was almost six and a half years ago. Wow. <laughs> right. And within this last six and a half years, we, we grew the business. We've hit multiple six figures, have not been you know back to a day job ever since. But it was because I took the time to learn how to market. Mm. Right. How do I have an offer? How do I talk to the right people? How do I, you know, how do I sell? And I had to learn those things because otherwise I would be back at a at a day job because I didn't know how to do it and know how to market. Wow. Wow. You know, I think it's I think it's um one of the most fun things I have with this podcast is hearing hearing other people's fail stories. Yeah. <laughs> Simply because I, guess, I mean, I'm going to, I'm, I'm turning 52 soon. Right. And I, and I just feel like I learn so much and I think it's, it's like sisters, right. That you fail and you talk about it. And it's the fact that I love learning. I I was always like a school nerd. I love mm-hmm. learning. So when I started looking at this years ago as in the failures, where is the opportunity to learn? Now I'm almost like, oh, I screwed that up. Here's an opportunity to learn and grow. And I actually just did a LinkedIn post about this the other day about how I was so afraid of failing Mm. because I, I mean, I grew up with a lot of success in school and sports and I was expected to succeed all the time. And I also went to, you know, Mary Fran and I are both recovering Catholic school people that, you know, it was like, it was the push to be perfect. And and quite frankly, I got a lot personally out of all the success, but I was like, so afraid to fail that it was, it was paralyzing. And I ended up in a, you know, I became a teacher. I didn't do any risk taking back then. I, I, you know, got the job, married the guy. I did all the things I was supposed to. So there was no failing. And then when things went upside down and inside out several times, I was, I was paralyzed in that. Now I'm like, okay, but what you said, you realize you had to learn about marketing and I just have to, when something doesn't go right, I'm like, oh, because I didn't take the time on the front end to learn more about that. But now I'm like, oh, cool. What did you learn from that? And, And the growth. I also see the whole, how much, if you grow through the thing that, that happened, oh my God such a different person. Somebody that I'm dating said to me, I wish that we would have met 30 years ago. And I was like, Oh, I don't think you would have, I don't think you would have had such a good time with 30 year ago, Kristen. (laughs) I had that. That's so funny. I had that same conversation with somebody a little while ago. And, you know, it's funny because he knew me when I was 18 and then we reconnected like 30 years later. 
right? Uh-huh. And I said, you know, I'm glad we reconnected again, but you know, I was a mess. You know, I would not have been ready for any of this kind of connection because yeah. of what I had, of how I got to grow and how what I got to learn about myself. And so it's the, it's that same thing. And I wrote a book. It's back there, that girlfriend. It's your time book. Um, and one of the things I say in there is that if there's this. It's the difference between bright women and brilliant women. There's a lot of bright women, and bright women they see their failures as a label. Mm. Brilliant women see their failures as stepping stones to what's next. Shut mm. off. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love man. that. And that was something we wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about your first, your, your book, because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, those parts of us that are hard, those are the parts that lead to, if we allow that and make mm-hmm. that conscious decision, yeah. those are the parts that lead to those evolutions and allow us to continue to do those other things. So mm-hmm. the question then becomes going back to your why, was yeah. that, you know, the hard parts and then this girl, it's your time. Was that where you got to, okay, the why it's my time. It's, I, I went through mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff. I couldn't figure it out, but now I'm going to do the work and make it my time. Is that a decision you get to make as well? It, it's always a decision that we get to make. And actually here's what's interesting. It's it's what we ask for. So a lot of us ask for things and we think that um, we, we think about the result, the end result. But what I've learned is that my asking for something, it may take years to receive it because of the growth and work I have to do. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I laughed at it because I wrote that book years ago, but I'm still seeing the results happen now because of the work that I did. And, you know, it's no, there's no fast ticket all the time. There's no overnight success kind of thing. It's okay. If I ask for A, B, and C, it's coming, but it might take me, it's going to take me being resilient enough to know that I have to become someone different. I have Mm -hmm. to think different. I have to believe different in order to have those things that I asked for. We're our own self-fulfilling prophecy. If we do the work, my brother um, was was a rapper. He has a whole, whole interesting, fascinating story. He was a Christian rapper. He deconverted. He's just like amazing person, right? But one of the things that he wrote in his lyrics at one point was, everybody wants to be, but nobody wants to become. Wow. Right? That's Do, profound. I, I know he's like so brilliant, right? And, but, and, and I see that all the time with us, especially with marketing. We want to be the Facebook image. We want to be the video that we saw on Instagram. We want to be that without recognizing that it takes work to become that. Hmm. Wow. I want to sit I at your family's hearing... Thanksgiving table. <laughs> I remember <laughs> hearing a story about Kevin Hart that was very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Kevin Hart, the comedian, where he, he, and I saw him do this. He gets around, you know, with his people before he goes on stage and he'll say to them, everybody wants to be famous, but nobody wants to do the work. And it's work. It is. It's it's work. Yeah. But the thing that I I like hearing from you, I like it and I hate it because it still scares me a little bit. <laughs> but the the idea of marketing, it is a process. It is something that you have to educate yourself about. You can't just be as again Facebook famous and have likes and followers and all this stuff. You can't eat likes and followers. You can't. <laughs> they're not going to. Bank doesn't take that for the the mortgage payment. So I really do appreciate that there is a process to this. I appreciate how you came to this and how you recognize what you just said about 
asking for something, but realizing that you may have to change. You're going to have to do the work Mm -hmm. to be able to get what it is that you asked for. So that's the message that I kind of want to leave our listeners with. Yes, you can have these things, but you have to be willing to learn and to do the work. And it's not as flashy. The flash is fun, but the flash isn't the thing that gets the job done. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where so, living. That, that's where that's, can everybody find you? Yeah. Because I want them to know more about you and more about all of this this good stuff. Yeah, well, everywhere: um, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram. You can find me at Ty Goodwin. T A I G O O D W I N. Um, if you're specifically specifically looking for some support with marketing, I've got a fun group called Marketing for Non Marketers. Like. <laughs> Literally talking to the people. Oh, that hate I you. am <laughs> signing up for that. That's our sound effects. So, <laughs> marketing for non-marketers, and that's my goal. There is to make it make it fun, but also to you know to educate people. I'm a teacher at heart, so I'm going to teach you, um, you know, how marketing works, so that you can make better decisions, so that you can have more confidence, so that you cannot feel like, oh my gosh, I just paid so and so, and I have no idea what they're supposed to do. Which is a big thing I hear a lot of people they they want to pay somebody, and it's great, but you need to know what you're paying them for, and so that's what we do in that group. So that's how you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Ty. This has been a a very enlightening conversation. And I do actually feel a little bit better about marketing. So thank you for that. <laughs> converting. Thank you. Slightly, slowly converting a non-marketer to a marketer. Dragging me to it. Stuff. Dragging me to it. Kristen, <laughs> I'm gonna let you wrap this up. Oh, this has been this has been awesome, Ty. You have my you had like my my hair standing on the on the back of my neck over certain things that that you were saying, especially this whole you can ask for something, but you have to watch and see who you're becoming. I mean, I, I had a, a a therapist tell me, yeah, have that goal, and then as you make choices and decisions all day, what would that, mm-hmm. Kristen, make the decisions? And and watching all of the growth from from then to now has been tremendous. So thank you for reiterating that. I seriously want to hang out with you and your brother with all the brilliance bombs that you guys drop. <laughs> Holy smokes. And I always, I always say that I have this, I mean, my LinkedIn profile, you have to read it because I say all the stuff that I want to do in this world and that I have done. And <laughs> But I still dream of doing a duet with LL Cool J. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, let's do it together. We'll tag team them. There we go. All right. We'll start marketing that and then we'll get the word. <laughs> oh, this has been too much fun. Thank you, Ty. And thank you everybody for tuning in. If you'd like a another uh, set of brilliance and, and helping you take your next right step in living Brilliant Resilient, go to brilliantresilient.net, sign up for the brilliance bit. We'll deliver it right to your inbox every week and you can keep living brilliantly resilient. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.